spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Before this episode begins, I have some back page projects to tell you about. Let me begin with Pep's City, a new book by Luis Martin and Paul Balus, who have been embedded with Manchester City for much of the past three seasons. I've known Lou for years, most of my time in Spain. He's not only a fantastic storyteller, he has contacts that you would struggle to believe because in the modern era, journalists aren't supposed to get that close to football people. He does. In fact, he's close friends with Pep Guardiola and all his extended family. Indeed, Pep, along with some colleagues, wrote Pep's only, to date, autobiography just after he left Football Club Barcelona in 2001. Lou and Paul gradually earned total access to Manchester City, and you'll see that reflected in the description of the structures, the idea, the atmosphere, the people, the anecdotes. I think along the road, they both fell a little bit in love. It's a good page-turner. It will bring you right inside the heart of this project, telling you about Guardiola's emotions, ideas, when he's tired, when he's ebullient, who helps him, which players fall in and out of favour. It's everything you'd want from an inside story. Whether you're interested in City or separately in Pep Guardiola or any of his superstar players or how a huge operation like that looks from the inside, you'll find plenty in this book that you didn't know. Next up is Astroball, The New Way to Win It All by Ben Reiter. Even if you don't speak baseball, if you're interested in where any pro sport and especially elite football is heading in terms of recruitment, data and optimization, then you need to read this inside account of how the worst team in baseball were turned into serial winners thanks to a strategic revolution. It's Moneyball, the next chapter. And while I have, while I have your attention, are you, are you paying attention? Neil and Martin, who produce this show and whose voices you probably love hearing every now and again on the question and answer sessions, they've got another podcast called Between the Lines. It's interviews with sports writers who explain the stories behind a book or a piece of long form journalism. It's the medium I like most when you get somebody to explain how something works how it came together, how it was constructed, how it was planned. I love hearing things like that. It calms me. It interests me. And I guess that there's a thread of that running through what we try to do in the big interview in that when we get elite coaches or footballers sitting down with us, we want them to explain. 
We want them to tell the stories from inside out. Lift the lid, I think it's called. This is most certainly what um, this new podcast that Neil and Martin produce does successfully. It's interviews with sports writers who tell the stories behind a book or a piece of long-form journalism. A new season of this podcast is running right now. It features excellent writers like Oliver Kay of The Athletic, Andy Mitten, who interviewed Diego Maradona for 442. And the season will close with a documentary about a much-loved football book, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. Subscribe now, please, to Between the Lines by Backpage and get the new season as it goes out, plus great archive interviews, including Henry Winter, Mike Calvin, and some fella who wrote a book about Spain's tournament treble. Hello, wonderful socios. Hello, any new listeners. It isn't often in the big interview series that I say, I think you're going to be genuinely surprised by this guest. There's a theme running through all our chats that people I admire, people who've had splendid lives in football, people who adopt or promote a particular way of playing, people who've got a sense of humour. I only want people in this series that you'll enjoy, but that's based on whether I admire how they've handled their career or not. Charlie Adams stood out as somebody who, in my opinion, um, has always played the game in a way that is entertaining, is smart, but he's somebody who's got a, a regard for the ball possession, what it's for. Now, beyond that, clearly, I wanted to find out if he was, uh, if he shared a sense of humour, if he could tell the anecdotes from his career well, and what we got back in London just a couple of days ago um, was something pretty extraordinary in that he excelled um, in talking about his skills, excelled in talking about his life and did it with um, a voraciousness, with a sense of fun that, and with a sense of detail, clinical forensic detail that was, it, it makes my job extremely easy. I, I was able to get out of the way and let Charlie speak. Um, if you're savouring whether to listen to this now or not, I'd say do listen to it now. Charlie, unprompted, started with a very demanding father, somebody who, in Charlie's own words, gave him a rough time as a kid. And a father who I probably wouldn't have raised um, because he's departed now, uh, left us at a young age and took his life. I imagined that that would be a very sore subject for Charlie and there were so many other things to speak about. I didn't intend to begin there or really bring his father in unless there were reasons for it. Yet he did. He started there. And the way in which he describes the lessons that he learned from his dad, some of the comical ones, some of the ones that are a little bit sore, but Charlie's quite clear that that father made him the footballer that he's become, has given him the life that he's earned now. I found it fascinating to listen to. Um, growing up as that kid in Dundee wasn't easy, but it changed him. He talks brilliantly um, about his art in a way that I, I know you know, those of you who have been listening for a long time, that we, we wondered how to speak to Chris Waddle about his skill, about taking a man on, about balance, about the art of a winger, how to show a man one way and go the other, what distance you need to be from an opponent before you try a jink. These things, sometimes when you speak to sportsmen or women, they know how to do it, but they don't know how to describe it. Chris, it turned out, did. So does Charlie. 
when we talk to him about passing, about striking the ball, and particularly if you are somebody who will end up maybe teaching kids or even teaching adults or somebody who wants just to better the way that you strike the ball yourself, listen to Charlie describing his art. He's very good at it indeed. There's some fun too. He's a Scotsman. So a Scotsman who scores at Wembley, albeit not in a in a Scotland-England game. We talk and debate and he wins the argument about where his goal at Wembley for Blackpool against Cardiff ranks in the all-time list of Wembley goals. You'll enjoy that discussion. A little clue, he scored it from a different flipping postcode from Wembley. It was so far out. There's really good stuff about um, visualisation, how he imagines doing things and then does them. Watching games from the bench, planning what impact he'll make as a sub, thinking about free kicks, passes, constantly imagining how he'll do something and then going out and doing it. The link between the two, the psychology of sport. I think he's extremely good on that too. This is a tremendous fun, in-depth, big interview. I'm absolutely certain that whether you supported his clubs or not, whether you da- whether he damaged your club with his skills or not, you will enjoy Charlie Adam on the big interview. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you for joining the. Thank you for jumping in your motor, finishing training, getting across London, and coming to the big interview. Which I'm not sure that you know anything about, and that's a wise move. That's a good life choice. But you're here because we adore the way you play football. Thank you. Do you understand that? I hope so. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That no, I you understand. play football in a way that makes people adore football. Yeah. I tr- try to do it the right way, and I've always been brought up to be to, to play the right way. And as the years have gone by. You know, listen, I was fortunate enough to play for two of the biggest clubs in the world, Rangers and Liverpool. Good upbringing, good education from it, tough education at times, a lot of knockdowns. People mm. people telling me that I would probably never make it in the game and also from, you know, not many people get to know, but I had a, a very strong father that demanded a lot, was always on the case, was, was really tough on me. But to this day, I would never ever change what childhood was like for me it was and it was never I was never pressured into it I just wanted to be a football player and and that was my life but my dad always said to me listen son I ain't coming here in the pissing rain to watch you play to mess around and that's that's the way it was you either take it serious or we look to do something else and then that was it and that's that's what it meant to me and that's why you know I'm here and I've been able to to do what I've done Did that message... You know, you mentioned your dad in out of respect and, you know, it's, it's a hard subject because he's, yeah. he's gone. Did that message go in instantly when you were young? Because uh, as a kid, as much as your passion for the sport is dominant, we're not fully formed. So did you just immediately obey? Or were you like, God, he's saying that to me, it's important? Or did you already have those genes in you that you're like, yeah, Dad, I know you're right? No, no, I, um, no because I've always had it and... and and, and I'll I, I bring you back to when I was a kid. That when I was playing Sunday League, we played for a boys' club called Dundee United Social Club. Well-run club, mm-hmm. you know. The parents used to muck in, soup on the side. But when I played, it was the will to win. We wanted to win every week, you know, and we wanted to do it the right way. We had good players in our team at the time. It was more of I always was instilled that was to win every game, and I I always. 
you know, everybody growing up would always think that my dad would be on the touchline, shouting like a lunatic. Hmm. And people would always say, like, why is that? Why? Do you never ever think one day, do you ever turn around and think, what is this? I said, no, I'm used to it. I understand it. And even till the day he died, it was the same. But as later on, it was, it was a bit different. But when I was younger, growing up, he would be on the side and he'd shout and probably cross a line that probably he never really did. But as we played in the years to go in that age groups and that, people got used to it. And I remember one time, it was, it was battering down the rain. We were playing against local rivals. We got beat. And my dad dragged me off the pitch. Mm. Dragged me off, sat me on the side. I was in floods of tears. Mm. And he just said to me, like, if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to compete, if you don't want to be the best, you may as well give up. You're not, you're not going to be good enough. Then that's when reality kept, kicked, kicked in for me. There's, wow. You know, it was, do I... Do I they go under or do I think do you know what I'm going to prove you wrong and that's what I've done my whole career is tried to prove him wrong but also prove the coaches that dealt me that problems over the years that probably they thought I wasn't going to be good enough um, so that mentality has always stuck with me and I've been used to winning even training even in a game I hate getting beat and, and that's how I felt and that's you know the way it started for me and that's how I've progressed over my whole career really but the big deal is meshing well, I would consider, it might be a little bit too nationalistic, but I consider what you've said a really Scottish thing. Now, obviously it exists in other countries, but we are, I mean, we're just, it's ingrained that yeah. we're competitive, aggressive, chippy, we won't be pushed down, we no. push harder back always, I think almost all of us, except I've been away a long time, so maybe I should talk more carefully about our, our nation. I, I feel it's changing. I, I feel the sport that you're in now <clears throat> wouldn't allow the thing that your dad did that if it didn't inspire you it certainly by your own definition has made you the man yeah. that you are you were never intimidated by that or there was never any danger of him saying too much or doing the wrong thing and putting you off no because everything he said to me I listened I learned I took it on board we'd have not arguments but we'd have like you know I'd come home on a Sunday I'd stay at his way on the Sunday yeah, but as soon as I got home on a Sunday, I had to clean my boots, no matter what, and that was one thing. You know, if I played well, played bad, I had to clean my boots, and that was it. But he would never let it. He'd never ever let. It, he'd keep on at me, mm. and it was a tough. Listen, I had a tough upbringing, and I'd never change it for the world. As in that, he demanded so much out of me and, and my brothers and sisters. He'd played also, eh? He played as well. Yeah, and and I, and I don't want to say that he. He he never he failed. He never he never produced to the level of talent that he did. He had because he was a good talent. He had a good ability, he could pass it. He, could, he was good in the lower leagues, and you know, he, under Jim McLean, he, he you know at Dundee United, he had, you know he had a hard upbringing himself. But he wanted to enjoy it. He enjoyed it more. You know, he'd come in from training straight. He'd go to the local pub and with his mates and that after the game, Jim McLean would find that, and that's how he brought up and and. And did he, did he think that... He just probably never wanted me to make the mistakes that he made. Mm -hmm. And that's... In hindsight, that is fair enough. Um, but football's changing. You know, how these young kids and how the professional players nowadays are, how they understand how the game plays is totally different from when... And I think my generation's the last of it. Mm -hmm. So if, if that's right, then we're losing something really fundamental to our sport, aren't we? We are. We are the will to win. 
people say, like we, we, we spoke, people say, yeah, we want to win and we want, but do really, are they happy just to accept getting paid, turning up on a Saturday? I don't see the lads coming into training every day and, and having that, that nasty side. And I seen Stephen Gerrard in an interview not so long ago, well, over the years he's always said that he come in to be the best player, he come in to, to move people out of the way, and I'm still the same now at 33. Mm-hmm. But you still think you can contribute and you're still as good as you, you have been. It's just showing that talent and that's what every day I try and come in out to compete and to be the best I can be and and that's how I've always been through my career. There was there was a couple of things you do that I really loved. One was often when you scored or I've seen several examples of it, when when you're coming down the middle and you, you the ball's at your left foot and you're thinking about that shoot or pass or whatever, you've got to skip, you buy yourself yards, you 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 throw that right shoulder and then you skip so you're that much nearer. And then you maybe do it again. Not just a dribble, but actually balance using it, send somebody the wrong way. And it felt to me watching you like, oh, it's super clever. That's not for frill, that little dribble. It's not for the crowd. It's like, I'm nearer now and I can see the corner or bottom yeah. corner. I'm closer to see where the keeper's balance is. That little, you just bought yourself six, seven, eight extra metres before you let rip. Yeah. Well, shooting's always been a, a strong point in my game and I, and I feel that I could listen. I could score, shoot from anywhere, really. But when you are driving with a ball and you look, I'm getting away my secret here. But a lot of the times, especially when you see me shoot low, when when I come up to the ball, I'll probably just touch it a little bit to the left, mm. and a, and a defender will always open his leg a little bit. So that time, I always try and shoot through his legs because then the goalie's got no that's chance it. to react. Yeah. And that's one of my things I always try and do. People say to me, "Oh, it's lucky. It's lucky." No. 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 It's a lot of things. The amount of times that I get into the box or I get onto a touch, I can get it, just touch it to the left and just through the leg of the defence. So in other words, you touch the left and then it's going diagonally back, back through the legs. And the keeper's gone already half turn one way and it's gone the other corner so and you can't see it. Yeah, so I've always, that's the little thing I always try and have got in my game. But no, when you, when you shoot, you've got to try and, let's say, if you can get it in a corner or, or anything like that. But that's, that's how I try and focus on shooting. A lot of my shots I'll try will be tried to go through the legs of a mm. defender because the goal is hard for him to... Do another play. clinic, because we've got all sorts of people listening to this. Some who play, some who don't, but everybody, our audience has proven to be interested in technical things as well. Mm. How do you strike a ball so cleanly? If you can tell people about your left foot and the ball, where you try to make contact, why it is that, not just power, but you know, you've know you got a beautiful strike on it, which helps... Your two big strengths, which are passing and shooting. Yeah. What did you do? Growing, growing up as a kid, I always played against the bin recess. So anybody that doesn't know what a bin recess is, is like where you put your bins in. There's two walls. So I'd always control it with my right, pass with my left, pass it with, control it with my left, pass it with my right. Just like across the, the bin shed and the wall for hours on my own. I'd shoot through the washing line. I'd, you know, and, and, and where I was growing up, in the flats... I used to just get the get in the garden in the in the back garden. There's two poles in the middle, and I just washing poles. Yeah, washing yeah, washing line. I just get it out of my feet and hit it as hard as I can against the, the fence. And I used to always, as a kid, just strike it as hard as I can, keep striking it, striking it as hard as I can. And that's how I think I've got my power. I've got big quads and a big backside, um, and that power comes from, and that's where that power comes from. A lot of hard work, technically as well. You know, I've never always, you know, I've always worked at my technique, always worked at my passing, my shooting, you know, crossing. Um, for a central midfielder, we don't really need it, but it's one of the games that I always like to say, 
you know, Xabi Alonso or, or Gerard were, were brilliant at it, you know, receive it back off the fullback and they could just deliver a great. Not many central midfielders nowadays will put a cross in the box, and I love it. You know, just dropping off the, the, the left fullback, that, the, the winger higher up in midfield and just whipping it in, you know, in, in there, and that's the type of cross I love, and it's just practicing it. What it is, and, and that's how I do, do, like say. I mean, there are varieties of things you do depending on where you want the ball to go, mm. how quickly, what directions, backspin or not. <clears throat> well, let's say you're trying to hit it the way that you do so beautifully. How, how is your foot? Are you in step? Oh, you, my, my, it, my foot is so, like I say, if I'm depends on where I'm passing it to. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm, I'm say I'm central midfield and I want to play over the fullback's head, you know, I'll ha- make sure it's at my feet. Um, just a little bit of room. Just, just a little bit of room out in front of me, you know. Plant the right foot just at the right hand side of the ball, and make sure the contact is with the laces coming from underneath it to up it to, to get that trajectory. And let me say, I said to you before, watch watching the best players in mm. the world strike a ball. Mm. You know, Gerard, Jabby Alonso. Trying to think of Paul Scholes, Beckham in his, Beck, day. Beckham in his day. You know, they they people were were different. They can go and ping it on a sixpence from anywhere in, 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 on a pitch. So they were the type of players I watched and how their technique was. And listen, it's, some of it's talent, but a lot of it was hard work in the practice. You know, with my dad in the park and keep going back to my dad. I remember sometimes, you know, this is how, how tough a upbringing it was. We'd go down to the park and he'd walk off away from me because he knew I wasn't applying myself or it was. I was saying I'm a bit tired or whatever, and he'd just walk off and leave me and and, and things like that. But it was listen, it was tough, and I, the practice I kept doing and kept doing is is going. But you never see it. it. I think it's different in Spain where you've got the weather and that you come. It is different. It makes I, a huge I, I advantage. I don't. I don't see the the, the kids cannot wait nowadays to get off the pitch. You know, and um, it's I can't a, understand it. It's it's sad because they've got the best facilities, and people talk about it's okay stay, staying on the pitch and, and practicing free kicks and thingy. Why don't you go inside and visualise it or see it on the screen? Because everything's recorded nowadays and see the mistakes you make mm-hmm. and that would make you a better player. You know, and I think nowadays football is more about being not not as much but being in inside there and actually seeing your mistakes than actually, you know, and then coming back out to improve on it because, you know, when lads actually improve or are on the pitch after the training, I don't I don't I don't see them Applying to the level that they do as if it was a game situation, you know, and that's listen, it might change, but we don't know what will happen, you know. Intensity is a great thing if you can if you can harness it because it separates you from from the next man. Mm. I knew that you were good at talking about your technique. Let me ask a question that you've been asked before, but hopefully in a different way because I'd rather hear hard facts. Chelsea Stoke ball gets nicked. I mean, probably. Eden Hazard was brutally fouled, so let's say the goal shouldn't have stood. I'm just laying that out for you there. Brutal, brutal foul by Stephen oh, it Ireland. Foul. It was a foul. Of course it was a foul. Um, nice sweep ball from, I think, Stephen out to John Big Walton. John Walters. He, he lays it. But you've taken a little look, because uh, it's you and um, Big Gonzones. I like watching uh, play at Sevilla. Top player. Really, really good. Moods up and down. Fabulous football. Yeah. I just... It was like Vieira, but in slow motion. It's like, oh, I'm going to oh, do this nice now. You can't touch me. My legs go 16 feet. And he... For me, could could play at one of the top clubs. Totally agree. He's got everything. He's got the attributes to to be dynamic, to be to probably a bigger stature of a canty where he can get round people. But he's got the ability to to play at top level. Listen, we don't know what it is. 
off the field or or if it's in his mind or what. But he was he was incredible. And like player. you've talked about a couple of times, both at I don't know now. He's like, if I do this, this will happen, and that will happen, and then I'll do it. He's, he, you can see when, when the thing that he's been trying to do, pass, give, pass, give, yeah. but, oh, that's what he saw that fifty seconds ago. Yeah, that's beautiful to yeah. witness because we don't have it. But so Zonzi and you are niggling about as Chelsea go forward. Are we covered him? Ball comes to Walters, mm-hmm. and you just take a glance. By the way, that was Johnny's. Uh, f- that was his first touch. He wasn't trying to let off first time. <laughs> I was. Um, it's you first touch it. tackle. That's him. <laughs> that's the George Best. Like, I can, yeah. I, 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 what, they can tap the ball further than that and kick yeah. it. Out. Took me years to understand that because I thought, well, you know, you're supposed to be able to control. Oh, I see. There's players that bad. Nah, he's the top man. He's a good player as well. Like very underrated. Can you remember all this? Oh, I remember it like yesterday. It's one of the best goals I've ever scored in my life. So of course I'm going to remember it. What can you see? Well, I could see that. Going back to another little secret of mine that. I watch videos before games of goalkeepers mm-hmm. because I know that I've got the ability and the talent to, to shoot from anywhere. The moment comes, I know what so I'll the do. moment comes, I know where I'm on the pitch, I know where that goal is going Hence to be. Hence my John Walters point, because he knew too. When I'm sat on the bench, I don't just sit on the bench and think, oh, I'm not playing. I sit on the bench and watch certain things in games. Yeah. If I'm on that position, if I'm on that pitch, where's the goalkeeper or what, what, what's he doing? What's my teammate doing? A lot of thinking going on to it, but... The the goalkeeper coach always used to say to me, "Listen, I got a couple of clips. You watch Courtois off his line. He comes very, very, you know, uh, he comes off his lines, eighteen yard box. So it's just dropped to me, and I see him so far off his line, and I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to hit this, and I hit it. And as he hit it, it drops, and I'm thinking at one point, oh no, he's going to get back. He's going to get back. He just gets back in time with a hand on it, and I just think it was too late for him. Is it the, is it, if it had been computer drawn, right? Let's say this was Hollywood, and it was like, see, because to make it the perfect goal, he has to almost touch it. He has to be scrambling back. Oh, totally. Left. And if you'd paid him, scripted him to, to right, Tibo, what I want you to do is look as if you aren't going to get it, then suddenly unleash your 7 foot 11 frame and then still not get it. Yeah. It was just. I nearly done him again after it, second half. <laughs> and. <laughs> It was just. That's just. But that's, you never learn. That's a blood sport, man. That's cool. But I tried to go again for. Leave the Belgian alone. Yeah, but that's just the thing I wanted to ask you though, because, and I'm not sure if this was conscious in the time, you you do that to it. So coming on to the strike, having figured out mm-hmm. your trajectory and that he might be off his line, your left foot comes across it. Yeah. So that it starts. That's deliberate. And if it's deliberate, why? It was just how I, because I struck it so. So hard, fast and hard, I cut across it. So I sort of come, it went right to left over him. So I cut across the ball, and it had a little bit of bend on it. And that was just because I never, I thought no, it was just how I never kicked it straight. I, the way I come across, I kicked it. I come across it that way. And it felt and looked as if it gave you more control to to because you you spin, you come through the ball, so it's going to spin a little yeah. bit of that. It goes I out in. That little fade is or draw is sort of my type of pass I play. Do you know what I mean? I like to play that. I could play that pass quite well. Well, you know, if I, like say for instance, if I'm in central midfield and our winger probably comes inside the fullback, I, I'm good at playing that little pass over the top, just with a little draw on it. Into, in, in just into his path. Yeah, so it's just a natural. It's another thing. I like you, thing for me. You, do, you, you, put, you put the ball where it should be. Is always in front of. You, and I'd never see a player having to check back and take a tally and pass. No. Listen, if the ball's in front of you and you, you can draw it and you you know you put the right cross and it's perfect. You, know? you, could, you could count a hundred professional footballers. Yeah. 
who put the ball either, or it's just arriving and they've still got a stutter stop before the. It's wrong. I always like put the ball in front of them, mm-hmm. and I always try and play it with pace. And people say to me like, you know, I always come back to situations like when I was younger, growing up, playing the Scotland squad. We talk about with Dan Fletcher, we talk about Roy Keane testing your touch. Mm. You know, we did a little in the boxes in the boxes or, yeah. or passing drills. He'd fire it into you like so hard. If you couldn't control it, you'd like, you know, if you can't control it, what are you doing at Man United? And I was, and I, and I always took that when I, when when Fletch told me that story from years and years ago when I was in Scotland squad. I've always took that in my mind that, you know, even in the the, the practice pe- uh, passing drills and that, I just fire it in as hard as I can, and that's why I accept, that's why I that's why I say to people fire it in because mm-hmm. you work on your touch, you work on your. You, you know where you are in the, get, the game in the pitch, and you learn from that, and it's um, it, things like that, and that's how how I see it. And like you say about talking about passing it in front of people, you pass it with conviction to get people up the pitch or to move forward for a reason. You know? Yeah, yeah. your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is out of the blue. From Bet365, we're grateful to being our sponsors and supporting the big interview. They've asked, what are your memories of the final day of the Premier League season with Blackpool at Old Trafford? Because, you know, Custer's last stand, it looked as if something extraordinary was going to happen for a while, but it ended up typical of your season. Yeah, it was... We should have been... We should never have been there at that point. We were... 2 0 up at Bolton, 2 0 up at Blackburn. We were ahead in numerous of games. We just lost our way a little bit. And we, having to go to Old Trafford to get something, to get a, to win, was incredible. And, you know, I, we were 2 1 up at one point. But, like you say, the top teams, they, they punish you for your mistakes. We had a couple of mistakes in the game. And, you know, we, we sadly got relegated. But it was an incredible journey from. From the start right till the end. I remember we were 2 0 up at home against Man United as well, and then he brought on Giggs and Hernandez at half time, and the whole game changed. We lost 3 2. But when you go to Old Trafford and you go 1 0 done, and then you get a free kick on the edge of the box against one of the best goalkeepers in the world, I'm thinking, in front of the Stretford end, I'm thinking, yeah, well, what's going to happen? So I'm lucky that when I hit a free kick, I always pick. I pick a victim, as I call it, in the wall. I always think, right, I'm going to go. I'm going to aim for him. He's the no, the weakest one because this will thing. If I aim for him, 
he might move it the way or he might duck. So funnily enough, on the end of the was Paul Scholes. So I'm thinking, right, if I whip this past Paul Scholes, Van der Sar's, I've got half a chance. And luckily, I whipped it over the wall, past Scholes, comes off the inside of the post, past Van der Sar, it's 1-1. And I'm thinking, wow, it's Old Trafford, you know, family are in the stands, the great escape is on, you know, and after that, you know, I think, did we go 2-1 up? You, you did, Taylor Fletcher. Taylor Fletcher, two, and then we, two go, one. then we go 2-1 up, after, just after half-time. But the biggest thing for any club, like a smaller club going to a bigger ground, is do not lose a goal within two or three minutes after it. You know, Big Sam Allardyce says it all the time. You know, I don't under, he doesn't understand why teams, they, they, score, they, they, they score a goal... And then they start putting it around the back and put pressure on themselves. Get it in the sit half, get it in the other half, squeeze the game, get let the game settle down a little bit and get playing again. But us, we were a bit confident in that, and, and then we lose too many goals. And then obviously somebody like Michael Owen comes off the bench. They bring Anderson off the bench, I think, who scored as well. And it was a tough afternoon. Um, but the whole process and the journey of Blackpool Football Club was just amazing, and you know. The players and the staff and Ian Holloway was just was incredible. Having sort of pumped Nottingham Forest out of the playoffs to go up, yeah. in your words, having snuck in in the last day and not having really looked like promotion candidates, Wembley, Wembley man, because that free kick. Is there, has there ever been a better free kick in the history of the world? No, no chance. In, in the world or ever. in Wembley? Ever. Oh. Just kind of free kick as there's ever been. Ah, uh, listen, there's been probably it, learned in Aberdeen. I'm be- listen, I'm just I'm speculating now, but out of the barracks, uh, with that been, sea wind, there's been there's been some incredible free kicks over the years. But I think it's the best free kick ever to be. Obviously, it is. And going back to visualization again. Go on. The day before the game, for the whole build up of the game, we were worried about Peter Whittingham, um, left foot for Cardiff, was was on fire. It's going free kicks all season. And we were we were training the day before free kick, uh, the, the game, so we didn't set plays and blah blah. So we we're, were worried about Peter Whittingham. So we're in the wall, people are hitting free kicks and that. As we're walking off, there was a, the, so the wall set up again, and I said to I said to Ollie at the time, I said, listen, you don't need to worry about Peter Whittingham. Big Charlie's here. <laughs> I, I swear you not. Identical position on the training ground. The wall, identical position, I've whipped one right in the stanchion, exactly the same free kick the day before. And I walk off and I say, listen, and I, and I was saying, big players turn up in the big moments, right? Walks off, straight on the bus, never say anything. <laughs> the lads are talking about this free kick I've just scored the training before. <laughs> and it's just, that day just happened and and for me that free kick was there because I had about seven or eight probably even more than ten over the season and they were horrendous hitting the wall over the bar and just on that day at that moment I was focused my mind was there and I scored that goal and changed, it changed my life it wasn't in the Wembley postcard no, it was so far it changed my life and people say do you when you when you have days like that you don't appreciate it as much as you should you know and the whole euphoria of it but you don't realise what, what's been achieved. And it's not until now when you sit down and speaking, obviously, showing kids or whatever, mm. then you realise what you've actually done. And mm. it, was, it was incredible. Do you believe... I mean, on that day, such a cocktail of things, apart from, you know, your talent, the determination, the practice the day before, but two things. Do you, is muscle memory part of it? 
once you've done it once the next day, muscle memory, just your body knew how to do that again the next day. Do you believe in, was fate involved? Was there some magic little kismet swirling around in the air that oh, day? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was fate. You know, I was fortunate enough it was to go on and, and have the career that I did. The, the, the only really missing thing in my career was, is, is medals. You know, I never really won, I won the Carling Cup. Never won a trophy at Rangers, which because I got two or three cup finals and got left out. Obviously, winning league, league with St. Man and things like that. But you know, actually winning trophies and that—that's that's probably the only thing that that is missing because I played over 200 games in the Premier League. You know, I took as a club we took one of the the smallest clubs you know in Blackpool from the Championship relegation to to the Premier League and the whole euphoria mm. of it. It was a, it was an amazing time. Tell me about Liverpool. Luis Suarez oh. should have been, should be wow. the perfect movement for you. The perfect, st- because I had to be re-educated, Charlie, I had to be re-educated because I knew he was a scorer when he was international class. Yeah. I knew he was ferocious. But until he came to Barcelona, because obviously you learn by watching, I didn't realise how intelligent he is as a footballer. What a flipping brain oh. is in there. Incredible. So, for you... Daily, not just matches. Luis Suarez, the footballer. T- 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 tell us a little bit about him. Well, just going back to Liverpool, I was when you when you walk into the dressing room, I remember like for me, Steven Gerrard is the is the the icon of Liverpool Football Club. You know, Carras was an incredible player, but Stevie Stevie won games on his own, won tournaments on his own. Won, Let's face it, Carras been on this. He was Everton in the beginnings. Jamie, yeah. sorry mate, but, but you were. But he. They, they, they bled Liverpool Football Club, yeah, you know, yeah. and, they, yeah, and yeah. they understand that. And but Stevie, for me, playing against him was this icon. Like I was, in, I was in awe of him, and I'm no shame to it now. Still, am a little bit that you know I look up to him. I respect him as a career, as a manager now, as a, and as a player. For me, I think because I've been close to him as in, in the dressing room, you know, I look up to him, and I think he, for me, is the 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 all-round midfield player in British football and how to 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 tackle, to to pass it, to, to score goals. He's got everything, you know. And that's I don't want to be soppy, but there's also, there genuinely is, not everybody's got this, there's an aura. Oh, there's, 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 there's a, an aura that, that me on the outside for one season, but even now, still look at him and get a little bit nervous when I actually around them. You know, even even now, even last week when I was playing the in the Legends game, you get you get an excitement to being around these type of people, and and I cannot speak highly enough of him as a player and as a you know as a as, and as a person because he's the one that you know in the Premier League growing up looking at was was incredible and to be able to share a dressing room, with him, and, and you don't realise how much scrutiny these lads go under. Um, but it was it was an, it was an incredible uh, incredible time. You'd, you'd played against Stephen. Yeah, yeah. So I played against Stephen at Anfield, and we beat him two one. Yeah. And I think he was he never played the second game, which was Torres's last game yeah. before he went to Chelsea it's for fifty million. million. That's right. Um, beat him two one as well. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I've got his shirt from that night. So I used like when I was when I played. Top bloke. He's a really I, nice man. Uh, I used to collect shirts, so I still collect the shirts okay. now. And I've got Torres's last shirt at Liverpool because his last game was against Blackpool. Good one and a half, after yeah. So you picked well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing he probably picked you out. So like, <laughs> here you go, Charlie. There you go. That probably in his 
mansion somewhere in the, the basement. But to go, Suarez, going back to Suarez. Suarez. I mean it because, and tell me if I'm talking rubbish, please, please do. But like, I look at his intelligence and his movement and how he shows what he wants. What he does with, let's say you didn't give him a bad ball, but it's not just you and him. When he when he gets given rubbish. His brain is quick about how to turn it into something important. He's a real thinking forward. But that was that was the thing about Louis was that he can turn a bad pass into an unbelievable pass because he, he had the desire and the hunger. I had seen him and Carragher booting lumps at each other <laughs> every day in a friendly way, but in a way that they wanted to win. Mm. And when I first went into the dressing room, I, listen, I was a bit I was nervous going in there. And like you're thinking, right, every pass that you make, yeah. you're thinking you know, when you when you go in, it's you know you're thinking right. Cara, they thinking or Steve, you thinking, is he good enough for Liverpool? Or you know, you know, if I made the right pass, and you so you sort of go in there a little bit tentative. And I think Jordan was the same. Maybe went in too safe. Listen, he's grown into. He's changed. He's he's grown into be a proper leader in the top. Last two player. seasons, the, the, my jaw's dropped. And he's I've changed out of all recognition. Uh-huh. And and I think and are we signed it similar time. Same day, yeah. Same day. And I could see it, and he was like, he was, he was a couple, of, few years younger than me, so we were probably going in the same way, going in playing safe. Mm. No, probably not doing what we, we, what, what, what got us brought you there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I, you, then you start to open up, and you try and play that pass, or you do that. But I set up Louis' first goal. We played Sunderland at home, and our league form was was no great. We finished eighth, and I set up Louis' first goal at home against Sunderland, and it was. You know, I thought I was a proper player. I was Liverpool, you know, and then he was just amazing to play with. You know, like you said, he turned, you know, you think bad passes into good passes just because his desire and his hunger to go and win, to win was was incredible. He's extraordinary. You use a phrase. You've often used a phrase, Sam Allardyce, Saint Kenny, I think. Um, Charlie runs games. We have to man mark him. You talk about Phil Jones. I've never asked a player. Sorry, go on. Yeah. So I've, I've never asked a player about being man marked, mm. and Phil Jones gets a. It's a terrible press, but you know I've interviewed him, so I've been up close with him. He's a specimen. He's an athlete. Mm-hmm. He's committed to winning. He may have, he may be prone to gaffes or whatever, but I'd imagine that being man marked by him or just being man marked is something that will get that Charlie Adam brain going about. Okay, how do I get out of jail? Where do I show him? Where do I take him? What, you know that that's a dilemma to me. It's yeah. an interesting so, dilemma. So we played Blackpool. Played Blackpool. Played Blackburn, and we I uh, come back from suspension, scored two goals at Ewood Park. And he man-marked me. Two games at Blackburn, we played Blackburn. And he man-marked me two games, Phil Jones. And it wasn't... Who told me? I think it was... Was it Sam or somebody had said that he specifically man-marked me in that in that game? And it's... Listen, it's the first time I've actually been man-marked in my whole career. But, like you say... How, how quickly did you notice? Oh, straight away. I knew straight away. Phil Jones played central midfield. So, so, you, so your brain's going. Is that the position? What? Oh, it's right. It's me and him. No, no, because I thought it was me. It wasn't until I was started getting on the ball and he was after me a lot and he was, you know, he was coming with me. So then you sort of have to, when you get my mark, you have to sort of sacrifice yourself a little bit for the team. So like I was running away, not even interested in the game, but I was allowing everybody else to get on the ball. The two games played against Blackburn, I wasn't great. I scored the free kick and scored a penalty. Uh, at Ewood and we, we drew two each but the home game I, I was, it wasn't great we lost I think we lost 1-0 did we lose 1-0 or it was 0-0 and um, yeah he man-marked me two games and but I, th- I felt the way I seen it was a compliment that mm. do you know what 
I'm a good player. Somebody wants to try and man man me. If I, if they, what they thought was if they stop me, the team won't play well. And it's a respectable it, it, tactic. Yeah. If you if, if you're the manager is like no, all I want is a result out of this. I don't really care about the style of the game. And if if I had a lesser team, I'm not talking about Allardyce and Blackman, but if I had a lesser team and as a playmaker or a gifted one, I think if, particularly if I've got an athlete. Because the best man Martin I've ever seen is somebody who's just remorseless. You, you don't need to be necessarily particularly clever in man Martin. If you do, it's an additional. You need to be relentless. You never need to drop your concentration, not for yeah. 30 seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah. You need literally this jokes about going to the toilet with them. That's true. You need yeah. in the back pocket all the time. It doesn't have to be fouls, but you know, if you want to leave a couple on, maybe it helps. It's a tactic. But for us, the spectators, when you see it, particularly if you get somebody who's got, who's a bit gallus, yeah. the me and you thing, can be brilliant fun to watch yeah because it's a battle of wits as yeah, well and it's always over going back to where we started the thing he's going to try and dominate me but like you said if I dominate him by being aggressive and I can try and outrun him I know my talent on the ball will outplay Phil Jones and that's not been listen Phil Jones had a great career he's a very good defender I, I said if you play in central midfield which is not his natural no. position I know the game better in certain midfield than, than what he will. So I'm thinking, if I get it right, you know, I'll be able to still control the game, even though I'm getting my mat. But it was, um, no, it was a different experience. And, and listen, I've never heard anybody trying to my mat me until when I went into Blackburn in the summer just to get fit for the pre-season. Um, I went in there and I'd done really well. And, you know, speaking to Tony Mowbray, he said, you know what, if we play against you, wherever you go in the Championship... They've got a young lad called Lewis Travis who's dynamic, he's good, he's a good player. And he said, you know what, it's the first thing. He says, I'm going to get him to my mark you when we play you. And it's the first thing I've heard that in 10 years. What happened? I never played, but the boy Lewis Travis hadn't played for two weeks. We played him at home not so long ago. He's playing. Mm-hmm. So Morgan's obviously thought, do you know what, he might play, I'm going to try and my mark him. They need to get around him. And Like you say, if you're allowed... Good players, time and space. It doesn't matter if they, you know, if they're not as fast as they used to be or how quick. If you can, if you allow them time and space to hit a pass, it can kill you. So he played, and and that's you know, obviously for Hull Jones to to that, it's it's still you know it's good, but it's a compliment. It is a compliment. I'll give you that. I, we'd all love to see the ball player rather than man marker, <laughs> but we'll wind towards the end with C six five again. But C six five, our sponsors are asking. I'm going to have to bend this question a little bit because... No, I'm going to ask one, another one too. Compare, this is at which atmosphere was better, the old firm or Liverpool Manchester United? And how do they differ? The old firm is incredible. The old firm is just... Listen, the atmosphere is... At Anfield is, is incredible. Um, tight ground. And, but the old firm, you can't, you, you can't hear yourself think, you know, even if I'm talking to you 10 yards away. It's literally, it's, he's it's, not getting across. No, no, and you just, you know, have to take a break in the game and speak to each other. It's so intense, the atmosphere is incredible. You know, when Celtic had the hole behind the goal, which at the moment they're only getting 800 tickets, was, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's not right. But the whole atmosphere at the old firm was, oh, it was, it was amazing. What did, what did it do to you, say, the build-up? The people in the dressing room. Who, I, I, I was okay because I was never brought up as a radio no, supporter. No, no. So yeah, I got nervous and I understood because I'd played so many young old firms in the youth teams and things like that. I knew what it meant to win. But the lads that supported Rangers 
you could see them getting a little bit more nervous because it meant a lot to them. Listen, it meant a lot to me to, to beat Celtic because I got on to the level of like you know your local rivals. You want to you want to win, and no, it was um, there was no there is no better feeling than when you beat your local rivals, you know, home or away. It's it's an incredible feeling. And then the last one is also from our sponsors, and this is one I'm going to have to cheat on too because you're almost not allowed to see Wembley now after we've talked about it such length. But they said you scored from at least 40 yards from Rangers. Yeah. You scored from your own half um, for Stoke at um, Stamford Bridge, where I was last night. But, and it doesn't say this, apart from Wembley, what's your favourite goal? What's, what's the goal that maybe still leaves it? If, you, if you're back visualising instead of forward visualising, the one that goes, yeah, I nailed that one, or I enjoyed that one, or that brought me three points, or that was a goal they said I couldn't score. What's the one that gives you beating, your only quiet favourite? Little black sheep goal. Beating David De Gea. There was one we beat Man United 2-1 at Stoke. We beat them, and um, I scored two that day. Free kick, deflection against Carrick, David Moyes was manager. And um, the second one was a long ball up, Crouchy, knocks it down. Arnautovic misses it. But he said it was he, he meant it, but you never. Um, and I've come on to this thing and drilled it right in the top corner across the hair. Yeah, it was amazing. Because listen, he was he is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and to beat somebody like that with that, and we won the game. And obviously, it was a, that was probably my, my favourite goal. It's all down to the part and your dad and the and the discipline and the training yeah. and the work and the attitude and the build up and the and over the it. years and the. Doesn't come easy, but it's worth it. And the sacrifices in life that you make, you know, mm. when you when you have small things, people go there and do this and that, and you sat at home. It's it's all for one thing, and it's a Saturday. This Charlie Adam has been a celebration of how football should be played. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to the big interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.